0: Thank you, Grace. I know she got a little emotional. I'm telling Cindy. For some reason, I'm emotional today. Probably because it's Mother's Day, maybe. Um, some of us have the joy to be able to physically be with our moms. and Some of us long for the day when we'll see Mom again. And, um, you know, it's funny. I was thinking just now... There's a lot of things I didn't understand about my mom. But as I got older, I grew to see the strength she had. Maybe I didn't recognize when I was a lot younger. We're all really blessed, aren't we? Okay, before I start getting to too most i got to preach. We are in Titus chapter 2 this morning, verses 3 and 4 ask when you find our text, if you'll stand in our God's honor as I read the text aloud. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanders or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children. Let's pray. Father, we approach you because you have invited us, Lord. We are a weak bunch. We do not pretend to be strong. And on a day where we think about the power of a godly mom, a mom that loves us, uh, wow, thank you, Lord, uh, that you love us even more. And may we worship you today, God. As we think about that godly example, Lord, uh, may our hearts be drawn to you. Father, I just ask for the filling of your Holy Spirit, Lord. I don't want to just speak. I want you to speak. I don't want a sermon. I want the Spirit of God. And So, Father, may you just do that, Lord. Beyond what we expect, may you speak. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As you look at this section of Titus chapter 2, Paul is speaking to the young guys he's training into the church. And he's talking to Titus and he's talking to Timothy. And he, he talks about the older men and the younger men and the older women and the younger women. Of course, the emphasis today is upon the older women. And the point, you go down to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. And you have our key text that brings this chapter together. And, And it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And he starts there and he says, What matters is the good news of Jesus Christ, who came to us who are unworthy, The only one worthy. And he died upon a cross. And and he was placed in a tomb. And he was raised to life. And is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he intercedes for us. And he says, that's the gospel. And we must be fully aware of the gospel. That grace of God that brings salvation. He tells us it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope. The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The idea is not to just get saved and then, well, I'll just do whatever I want. And when He comes, I've got my ticket and I'm ready and then I'll go to heaven. No, we are to be assigned, actively involved to a life of holiness. To say no to ungodliness. To say no to worldly passions. And to live the self-controlled upright and a godly life. And then notice what he says about our Lord who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. But he doesn't put a period there. He goes on, he says, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Guys, he wants us to be an influence and to impact. A culture that has lost sight of the living God, that is lost, that is skeptical and in need of some good news. And, and as we, uh, it reminds me of this uh, over 25 years ago, George Gallup poll. This was what was said. Never before has the Christian church made so many inroads into society. While at the same time making so little difference. Man, there's a need for a difference. And that difference is found in the Lord. Not in us, but in the Lord in us. Moving through us. And as our text today, he he starts out here and the emphasis in verse 3. He says, likewise teach The older women. Now, I'm not too smart, but I'm not dumb. So I'm not about to determine what is an older woman. What is the criteria I look for when that person has crossed that threshold of old? Now, the home I grew up in, there were two things you never asked a woman. Her weight and her age. That was a dangerous game. You did not involve yourself in. And so here we have these two young preachers that Paul is coaching. he says, I want you to go into these gatherings of God, these churches. And I want you to give some teaching to these older women. Now, I would take a stab at email I got some years ago. Maybe to give some insight into a possibly older woman say old woman older woman this lady was 95 years old and her sons were thinking i just have to pay tribute to my mom i love her so much and how can i pay tribute to her and 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 so the first one said well i'll just buy her a big beautiful home so he bought her a big beautiful home right on the beach and uh, then the second one's well, I, let me work in that house and I want to make a big room that will seat 50 people with a home theater and all the latest gadgetries. So all she has to do is call out a TV show or a movie or, or a channel and, and there it is. And she can enjoy it to the fullness. And then the third son, I'll buy her a new Mercedes. she a beautiful new car to be able to, to drive around. And And then the fourth son, he said, well... You know, mom loves the Bible. She loves to read the Bible, but her eyesight's all but gone and she can't read the Bible anymore. I ran across this preacher and he had managed to train and groom a bird with the help of seven other pastors who had worked with this parrot for over ten years to teach the parrot the whole Bible. And this parrot is able to quote every verse in the Bible. All you have to do is call out the reference, and bam, you have the verse. He said it was difficult because the preacher didn't want to let go of that bird, but for a hundred thousand dollar donation to their building fund, I was able to get this wonderful parrot. So that's what I'm presenting tomorrow, and I mean, the other three sons said, "Well." impossible to beat i agree well in a matter of time the thank you notes went out from mom to the sons and i want to read to you the thank you notes first note dear milton the house you built is so huge that i only live in one room i have to clean the whole house thank you anyway dear michael you gave me an expensive theater with dolby sound Hold 50 people, but none of my close friends live nearby. Since I've lost my eyesight, I really don't watch much TV. I'll never use the room, but thank you for the gesture just the same. Dear Marvin, I'm too old to travel. I have my groceries delivered, so I'll never use that Mercedes. But the thought was, kind, thanks. Dear Melvin, you were the only son to have the good sense to put some thought into your gift to me. Let me tell you, that chicken was delicious. (laughs) Thank you so much. So maybe we have a picture here of a possibly older woman. But when we really look into the culture of that day, when he speaks of older women, the real picture, it could be a woman in her 40s to her 60s. And the picture is not so much on her age as it is in the fact that She's lived. She's raised children. She's been a part of just life's experiences. And thus she has something powerful to pass on and to share. Uh, Maybe he's speaking about some of these widows that he writes about in 1 Timothy chapter 5 verses 3 through 10. Who assisted those who were in distress. Who showed hospitality to strangers. Who washed the feet of the saints. And who devoted Herself to every good work to help those around her. It was common in this day for the older women at night to go out through the city and to look for abandoned babies. See, it was a cruel world in which they lived, and there were babies that, for whatever reason, the, the parent couldn't raise the baby, and, and so they would just leave them out to die. People would search for those babies. Many of the wrong people, if they found those babies, they, they would become slaves. They might grow up to play in the gladiator games, be abused in other ways. If they were girls, they might grow up to be prostitutes, have a life as a slave. But these women would go out in their heart. They were to rescue these babies, and that was their heart, was to rescue these young ones, and, and that was their passion, and And these ladies had earned a right to be heard. Their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, man, it was real. It was genuine. It was honest. And they displayed four traits that we want to look at with the rest of the time this morning that we have. Uh, Let's just jump in the text here. The first trait is that there is a sacredness about her, a sacredness says, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. You know, it's interesting. That word translated reverent, this is the only time that word is found in the New Testament. So it's a special word. Speaking about some special ladies who had a fear of God that was significant. It was unusual. It was worthy to be lifted up, to be noticed, to be pointed out. And it was a word that was often used in the Greek and Roman world. Among the various gods and in the various temples of those gods where there were priestesses who would work in those temples and their job was to. To be able to serve that God or goddess. And as people came into the temple. To point the way and educate others about that God or goddess. There there was a, a real reverence. They were considered God's representative. And as he speaks about these ladies. Be God's representative. Be the one who leads the way toward God. And in the same way here. The last part of that verse He says, in the way they live, also that phrase in the Greek, only place it's found in the New Testament is here in this text. And it speaks of their demeanor. It speaks of that glow, (laughs) that sense when you're in their presence of, man, these people have an humble, genuine walk with God. I was really touched in Sunday school. Maybe that's part of my emotion. We watched a video about the... Lead singer of YouTube, Bono, and of Eugene Peterson, who has written The Message, which is a translation of the Bible. But anyway, these two came together from different worlds, but they share Jesus. And it was real touching at the end of this little video, because Eugene Peterson's wife told Bono, Don't run. Slow down. And it was like like he was their son. And there was none of this celebrity status. There was a connection. There was a humility. And and that genuine walk with God. Guys, it makes such an impact. Such a difference. You see, for the ladies, life is more than what you wear. It's more than than some kind of sexuality that's, that's bottled up and that is shown to others. John Calvin, nearly 400 years ago, it almost sounds modern, wrote this about... Problems in his church. He wrote uh, that problem with older women in his church. Was that they were trying to hold on to their youth. And dress like young women. He wrote they demeaned their own maturity. and attempt to dress culturally fashionable. Or even flirtatiously. And what he is saying here. Is these women get it. That their worth and their self esteem. Is not in what the popular culture identifies with it is a godliness it is a connection with the savior that's humble and that's real and that's genuine and of course i always think of proverb thirty-one thirty on mother's day right charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting but a woman who fears the lord is to be praised and that is the picture here we, we have a generation that's chasing after something that refuses to stand still he says but what matters is is what's in the Lord. It's not the physical attributes. It's the spiritual attributes. It's not the condition of their face, but it's the condition of their faith that makes the ultimate impact. In this country alone, Botox has reached annual sales of a billion dollars annually. Every year. Wow. A billion dollars. People are trying to capture in their appearance what they need is in their heart. Uh, What they need, it doesn't come just merely in the neighborhood. It comes from the nature of God. Uh, Notice verse 3. He says, uh, Not to be slanderers is the next phrase. Not to be slanderers. There is a sweetness about her. It's interesting, the word slanderer that's used here is the word translated devil. Since it's in the feminine, Paul's pulling no punches. He's describing women who are gossips as she-devils. Not politically correct, but God-correct. The, the picture here is of you don't tear people down with what you say, but you build people up with what you say. And what we have a tendency to do is say, man, I heard something and it was good. It might have been gossip, but it's good. I've got to pass it on. You know? That's, no! There should be a sweetness about what you say that builds up the body of Christ that encourages people to walk with Him and doesn't tear other people down, doesn't tear apart families and people's lives. Don't be a part of that. That's, the, that's devil talk. Don't be a she-devil. Don't talk like the devil. Now, how does the devil talk? Like we looked at Revelation 12, 10 in, in our study, uh, one of the services uh, where the devil is an accuser. He accuses the saints both day and night. Man, we don't need to focus on people's sins and tear them down in front of others. We need to pray for one another. We need to build each other up in the faith. Remember the devil? He He watched Job and he said, to God, he said, I'm convinced that if you took Job's blessings away from him, he would curse you because he doesn't love you, he loves what you give him. That's the accuser, that's the work of our enemy. He wants to tear down instead of build up. He says, These ladies have that sweetness. Third, there is a sobriety about her. Look at the text, it says, or addicted. Too much wine. The picture here. Is not only should they control what comes out of their mouths. But what goes into their mouths. And I believe that although. in uh, The word literally means literal slavery. To be held against one's own will. To be controlled by. And although here it's speaking about alcoholism. Speaking about the lure of alcoholic beverages, it's more than that. It's anything that masters your life, that's not God. You see, we have one master, one Lord. And anything that takes this place, it's idolatry. Any any place that receives our heart and receives our worship, that's what he's talking about here. And and he's talking about the woman that doesn't have to use a substance to face each day, but is submitted to the Spirit to face each day and there's a power there in the Lord. I always think of 1 Corinthians 6:12, powerful verse, and then I it says everything is permissible for me, but not everything's beneficial. Everything's permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Because of the grace of God, my salvation is not based on my performance and what I do, so everything's permissible for me, but that doesn't mean it's beneficial. That doesn't mean it moves forward the kingdom of God. We may be a she or he devil. If we're not following God and, and, and under His His power and, and His authority. But there's a freedom that comes in Christ. That's what is displayed by this sobriety. She is not mastered by anything but her Master, Jesus Christ. In America, the sale of alcoholic drinks has reached ninety billion dollars. Wow. There's a lot of people that are trying to numb pain in the wrong way. Uh, Over 500,000 alcoholics between the ages of 9 and 12. New alcoholics every year. Isn't that a devastating thought as people are are looking for meaning in the wrong places? One more here. There is a seriousness about her. Look at verse 3 here. Or verse 4 here. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. The picture here is not about the older women having a place of prominence and position. But a pattern of life. People watch her. She's the real deal. She really has a walk with Jesus. Jesus. It's not just church, guys. It's connection with the living God she has. And that makes all the difference. And then, uh, that is the seriousness about her. It isn't that she's all gloom and gloomy. One of my favorite verses in the Good News Bible, it it, it tells us that um, it is healthy to be cheerful, but it's slow death to be gloomy all the time. No, that, that's not what he's talking about. But in a seriousness, it's about, man, I take God seriously, not myself so seriously. You know, That's the real picture that is being shared by such ladies. And the command here to these older ladies is to train the younger ladies. It's interesting here as you look in these instructions from Paul to Titus and ultimately to Timothy as well. He, he, he says, guys, I don't want you training... The younger women, this is to be a job for the older women as they are to share and as they are to train. And the phrase, it literally means, if you read it, so that they can bring to their senses the younger women to love their husbands and their children. You see, the picture here is that they are captured by the culture instead of by their God. They've lost sight. You know, this thing you're to be in the world, but not of the world. And they become of the world. And, and, and he says, don't let that happen. And, and the, the idea is ladies bring them to their senses. Help them to see that that real living is in Christ. And it is in following Christ. It's a crazy culture. There was a study that was recently done about song lyrics over the past 30 years. And what was discovered is that the song lyrics over the past 30 years have continued to become more increasingly self-centered. Researchers used a computer program to to count the percentage of words in songs which refer to personal pronouns like we, us, and our compared to... First person pronouns such as I, me, and mine. They found that over the past 30 years, we and us have declined dramatically. And I, me, and mine have increased dramatically. One reviewer summed up the study by writing rather bluntly. We might as well face it. We're addicted to self-love. We're addicted to self-love. What a statement. The point here, as Paul is saying about these ladies... He says, what they teach is that life isn't about self-love. It's about self-sacrificing love. That's what's Christ-like. Not self-love, but self-sacrificing love. So that when the younger lady comes to the lady that's been around the block, you know, and she says, my husband is impossible. He doesn't listen to me. He doesn't care about me. He is not sensitive to me. And he causes all kinds of problems. He is impossible. And instead of her saying, honey, I know, those men are awful. They're just terrible. Instead of saying that, she says, oh, honey, it's okay. Look, that's the way they come out of the box. You got to work with them, you got to love them, you got to be there for them you got to live for the Lord and, and let Him change them. You see, these women, they weren't perfect women. They were progressing women as they walked with Christ. As I close, I want to read a testimony from the lady in charge of MOPs, Mothers of Preschoolers International. And what's powerful about it is just her honesty about, you know, I'm not some super Christian that's arrived. She writes, uh, her name is Alyssa Morgan. And Alyssa writes, I'm probably the least likely person to head a mothering organization that impacts thousands of mothers' lives for the gospel. I grew up in a broken home. My parents were divorced when I was five. My older sister, younger brother, and I were raised by my alcoholic mother. While my mother meant well, most of my memories are of my mothering her rather than her mothering me. Alcohol altered her love. I remember her weaving down the hall of our ranch home in Houston, Texas. Glass of scotch in hand. I would wake her at 7 each morning to try to get her off to work. Sure, there were good times, like Christmas and birthdays, when she went all out and celebrated with us children. But even those days ended with a warped glow of alcohol. Alyssa writes, Ten years ago, when I was asked to consider leading Mops International, a vital ministry that nurtures mothers, I went straight to my knees. How could God... Use me, who had never been mothered, to nurture other mothers. The answer came, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. She writes, God would take my deficits and make them my offering to him and find his grace to be sufficient in my weakness. God calls us to be light, to be salt. It's a challenge, church. Let's examine our hearts. Where are we? Let's pray. Father, this day we set apart for moms. We are grateful, Lord, for the women in our lives that have made such an impact. Father, maybe they're not our birth mother's. Maybe there are just some women here, Father, that we've known a while and they're the real deal. Thank you for that, God. I need that, Lord. We all do. We worship you for building that sweetness in these ladies, God. Father, um, as we have this time, we call invitation. Father, just work among us, Lord. May your Holy Spirit draw us to the altar to pray or... To make a decision for you right where we are. Or um, to come forward and share a decision with your people. Ah, Father, I just want you to move among us. That's all, Lord. Thank you that we've been able to come today. On this day that's Mother's Day. To remember not only our moms. But to remember the God who gave us our moms. Father, we just... Dedicate this time to you as we stand, as we sing, as we respond to you and your spirit. In Christ's name we pray.